morning, Big Ten fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Big Ten Morning Minutes. I'm your host, Michael Chen. Give me a follow on Twitter at MFC2123. It is Monday, September 2nd, 2019, and this past weekend, Big Ten football was played. It wasn't just Big Ten football, obviously. It was football all over the country, but it's nice to get the season started. I mean, how fun was it to watch football Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, last night, tonight ends with the Notre Dame game happening, which, although not in the conference, still of note because obviously a couple teams in the conference will be playing the Golden Domers and oh, never too late to get a look and see what teams look like, a little advanced scouting, so we'll definitely be paying attention to what Notre Dame does later tonight, but Let's first get into what happened over the weekend. And obviously, normally I don't like to talk much about games going on, but special circumstance here because it was week one. Uh, going forward, what I do expect to happen is I will get a Sunday podcast out to you at some point in time and uh, wrap up the action on Saturday. But, uh, Due to the fact that it was a long weekend and uh, had a couple other things going on, wasn't able to quite get that out yesterday. But uh, going forward, yes, look for a Big Ten morning minutes Monday through Friday, and then uh, something new on a Sunday. Not sure what I'm going to call it, but obviously we'll get to it. But uh, like I said, we're going to recap a little bit of what happened this weekend. On Thursday, Minnesota had a struggle there against South Dakota State. Now. South Dakota State is one of the better FCS schools, so you can't look at this close win like, wow, Minnesota is that bad. But what concerns me is the fact that Tanner Morgan just didn't play very well. Obviously, the loss of quarterback Zach Anistad was looming over the beginning of the season, but now you look and see what's going on. And you know, Tanner Morgan, when you look at the stats, solid. Uh, 13 of 18 for 176 yards, uh, touchdown and interception, but he needs to get the ball moving, and he needs to establish the chemistry with Tyler Johnson because Tyler Johnson is the most electric wide receiver on this team. He had some good chemistry, did Morgan with Rashad Bateman, and that resulted in five receptions for 132 yards and a touchdown, but he's got to spread the ball out a little bit more and by doing that, it's pretty much the reverse of what you've seen previously in football. The, the changes happen. The pass now opens up the run. So Morgan's got a, a lot of work to do here to get that offense in a right position. But a week one win is a week one win, and uh, I think the Gophers and P.J. Fleck will take that any day of the week. Michigan State looked like they did last year. A dominating defense and we'll get to that in a few moments but the dominating defense only held Tulsa to seven points which is on par with what Mark D'Antonio Michigan State typically do uh, once again it's the offense that concerns me the running game last year was a huge issue for the Spartans Connor Hayward led the rushing game with only 43 yards on 15 carries that's got to get better they look like a mirror image from last year, and that's kind of what I thought was going to happen. It's going to be the defense, once again, that's going to carry 
the Spartans, Kenny Willickis, Roquan Williams, monsters on the defensive line. But if the Spartans want to have championship aspirations, a lot of that hangs on Brian Lewerke's shoulders. And once again, Lewerke was inconsistent and iffy. 21 of 37 for 192 yards. I just, uh, I'm just not sold on Brian Lewerke. Uh, I've never have been. And if, if the Spartans want to move in that upper echelon of the teams that are really considered tops in the East and nationally, they're going to have to find their, you know, another Connor Cook again. It's just, they've had a lot of success with quarterbacks, but Lewerke isn't in par with their previous quarterbacks that they had. I mean, look, you've got multiple Michigan State quarterbacks making it into the NFL, like multiple. I mean, Connor Cook was just the most recent one, but there's a lineage there of Michigan State quarterbacks doing it. There's a starter in Minnesota. It's not just one-off, and for them to really compete, Brian Lewerke is going to have to step up big time. And talking about stepping up big time, let's talk about Jonathan Taylor. What an opening performance. He spoke at Big Ten Media Days about expanding his game. We all knew that he was a fantastic rusher. Something that he mentioned during the media days was that he wanted to become a better pass catcher. And boy, did it look like it. Two receptions, 48 yards, two touchdowns. Very impressive for Jonathan Taylor to go along with 16 carries for 135 yards and two touchdowns. We all knew he could do that. But the impressive part was the receptions. And 24 yards of reception, a touchdown on each touch. Impressive. Wisconsin looks damn good. The defense looks fantastic shutting out South Florida. So it's going to be a good season for the Badgers. Uh, they, they are contending on the West. And you know after one weekend, and you look at who else is contending in the West in Nebraska, which we'll get to shortly, uh, they could potentially be viewed as the favorites. It is just one week. But after a week, Wisconsin looks Damn good. Rutgers and Chris Ash got a good start, although it was a sluggish one. UMass took a early first quarter lead 21 to 7, and then the Scarlet Knights erupted for 31 points in the second half to take I'm sorry, the second quarter to take the lead and not look back, ending up winning 41 to 21 over UMass, who's making their Big Ten rounds. Uh, the, their first three games are against Big Ten opponents. And this is a good one for Rutgers. Chris Ash needs to build wins. He needs to get experience. McLean Carter, the starter, looked very, very good going 21 of 31 for 340 yards and two touchdowns. You have to wonder what's going on with Arthur, Arthur Sikowski. He didn't even get into the game in a blowout. Eh. I think that uh, you know McLean Carter's obviously going to lead the team, barring injury, for the rest of the year, and uh, it's going to be a learning experience for him. And you have to wonder, you know, if Sikowski will end up taking a red shirt, maybe play the play four games at minimum, and then take a red shirt and ideally be the starter next year after McLean Carter, the graduate transfer from Texas Tech, moves on. Now Purdue. 
Oh, man. What the heck happened here? They squandered away a lead in the fourth quarter. And it has nothing to do with Purdue's offense. The offense was fantastic, although they didn't score much in the second half, only seven points after scoring 24 in the first half against Nevada. But I'm not sure why Purdue would schedule a game A against Nevada in Nevada. Uh, I get it. That usually that's when schools are paying teams to come and have those games at home. Uh, Purdue to go do this, uh, a little interesting, and uh, you know that that hurt. Uh, I think that this is a win that they should have had, but unfortunately, that's not going to happen. And you know, Purdue starts the the season on the wrong foot. Uh, they are one of just two teams who lost in the conference this past weekend. So uh, not not a good look for Purdue to start the year. You, you kind of thought that they would do better, but uh, honestly, I, I had them right around 500. I think I had them at 5-7 and seven this year. So might be another disappointing one in West Lafayette. Came Saturday, and boom, Justin Fields put on one hell of a show, just absolutely electric in the first four drives, resulting in four touchdowns. However, the rest of the game, wasn't all roses for Justin Fields and the Ohio State offense. Florida Atlantic looked like the better team in the second half, and they outscored the Buckeyes 18-17. to uh, It was just odd. Uh, what happened was was that the, the it seemed as if the offense, I, I'm not sure what exactly 100% happened. The, the offense seemed as if they were just lackadaisical, that they just kind of, you know, got out to a big lead and saw the opponent was Florida Atlantic and said, all right, you know what, we can get through this and not really do much. I don't like that. I think that especially in this day and age of college football, going out and scoring a bunch of points and you know, getting those big wins over the smaller schools, I think that the playoff committee looks at that better. And you know, for Ohio State, yeah, it's a, it's a solid win when, you, when you're looking at uh, – a potentially very good Florida Atlantic team. But I think you, you kind of expected more after what you saw out of the first quarter. I mean, they looked absolutely dominant. A flash of what this team could be for Ryan Day in his first year. But uh, unfortunately, if you got a chance to read uh, my column on predicting the conference, I've got the Buckeyes at 10-2. and two. I just think there's too many question marks. The inexperience of Justin Fields although highly talented if you watch the highlights I mean the young man is just fantastic threw for four ran for through for four touchdowns ran for another one so accounted for five total touchdowns but the inconsistency is there and when they face top level defenses will he be able to move the ball and that's the big question and I just think that the Buckeyes are a year away I think next year is the year where they are 100% the team to beat in the conference. But I think this year, uh, they're, they're just a, a, a notch behind the top-tier teams in the East and in the conference. Uh, this one was a tough one for Northwestern to swallow because not only did they get a loss, 17-7 against Stanford, they potentially lost two big-time players. Hunter Johnson got the start for the Wildcats, but Johnson was 
very ineffective. And TJ Green came in towards the end of the second quarter. Had a quote-unquote two-minute drive, although it was uh, about three and a half left, and moved the ball for the Wildcats. And at that point in time, you know, I went on Twitter and I said, look, that TJ Green's going to come out and he's going to start the second half because although it was just one drive, he got the offense moving. He came back out and he played until he got hurt. And unfortunately for TJ Green, it looks like it's going to be a season-ending ankle injury for the senior quarterback. That's a tough pill to swallow. His family was in the stands, and as soon as the injury happened, they zoomed in to Trent, uh, the former NFL quarterback, his father. And you could see it in his face. Uh, Trent's been there. Trent's seen it. It wasn't pretty, and it's unfortunate for Green. And you wonder what he's going to end up doing if he's going to ask for a fifth year, I'm sorry, a sixth year because he's a redshirt senior, a sixth year from the NCAA to potentially play again. But it's now in the hands of Hunter Johnson. And unfortunately, another injury hurt Northwestern. And it's looking like Isaiah Bowser could potentially be out. Uh, He walked off the field after injuring his knee. So it's might not be a huge injury for Bowser. Uh, you know, Pat Fitzgerald was very coy with the status of him uh, when he spoke to media after the game. But uh, it's still a tough one because Northwestern had their opportunities, multiple of them in the second half. They, When Green got injured, they were in the red zone. Uh, he fumbled the ball and... Stanford recovered. They also had the opportunity at the end of the game, Northwestern did, although not with a ton of time after Stanford uh, gave them the ball back. But Hunter Johnson ended up fumbling into the end zone, and that's how you got the final score, 17-7. to So a tough one for Pat Fitzgerald and the Wildcats in their first game of the year. And they get a bye week, so... They'll be able to rest up because they were very healthy coming into the season, had no injuries coming in on their injury report, but now the injury report gets a little bit larger as they're losing two of the potential huge contributors in Green and Bowser. Uh, Michigan looked absolutely fantastic for two quarters. And then the offense sputtered a little bit. Shea Patterson uh, kind of got hurt. I think it was a little minor thing. Uh, brought in the back up Dylan McCaffrey, and McCaffrey looked good. Um, Patterson didn't look great during his time in there, probably still making a little adjustment to Josh Gaddis's new offense. Uh, true freshman Zach Charbonnet looked fantastic. He is electric. Eight carries for 90 yards. Didn't get to the pay dirt, but averaged 11.3 yards for a true fresher. I mean, very, very impressive. They were a couple of injury issues with Michigan as well. Uh, Donovan's people, Jones, was not out there. Uh, He might be a little longer uh, for the Wolverines, but uh, Ambry Thomas made it back out there. Miraculous recovery from colitis that I have mentioned multiple times. Uh, you're looking at offensive tackle John Runyon, defensive tackle Donovan Jeter, and defensive tackle Michael DeWomfor. 
all of those players missed the game for Michigan. So uh, a solid win, although you would have liked to see them probably hold the Middle Tennessee team to less than 21 points. Uh, an FCS school coming in to your place and scoring 21 points uh, is not the, the best look for the Wolverines. But again, new coordinators on the defensive and offensive side. Michigan still a solid win to start off the year. Spectacular win for Penn State against Idaho. I have Penn State winning the conference, and wow, there are weapons all over the field for the Nittany Lions. I mean, Sean Clifford, the first-year starting quarterback for the Nittany Lions, really didn't need to do much uh, because his team was doing it from the ground. They racked up 331 yards on the ground, including seven touchdowns. Devin Ford led the way, the true freshman, with six carries for 107 yards and a touchdown. Noah Kane, another freshman, nine carries for 44 yards and two touchdowns. Clifford added 57 yards on the ground as well to his 280 passing. He was clean, didn't throw a pick. Man, the Nittany Lions look good, holding Idaho to seven points. Idaho scored late in the fourth quarter to get those seven, but the game was well in hand by that time for the Nittany Lions. K.J. Hamler once again showed that he's one of the best wide receivers in the conference and potentially in the country as well, catching t uh, multiple balls and a couple of touchdowns. It is going to be a fun offensive season for the Nittany Lions. Iowa, solid, not spectacular against Miami of Ohio. 38-14 to was the win. Uh, Nate Stanley, solid. Uh, he just doesn't do it for me. Uh, I'm just, he's just kind of like blah, basic. I think he's hit his ceiling and isn't that game breaker that they would have liked out of the senior uh, but again, you know, 21 for 30 for 253, uh, sorry, 252 yards and three touchdowns with no interceptions. Yeah, solid. But again, like I said, I, I just, he's just not a game breaker to me. He's not a guy where you could rely on and say, all right, go win me this game, Nate. Uh, I think that he's a solid quarterback, but I think there's always, you know, I, I'm always asking for more out of the quarterback. And I just don't see it with Iowa. But the, the defense was solid. A.J. Pensa, always a fantastic player, and he did it as well. I, I just, I like Iowa, but I just, for some reason, I just can't buy, I'm not buying into the the big time, um, you know, ranking by them and what everyone sees that they, they could be potentially one of the best teams in the nation. I, I think that they're, uh, you know, a, a typical 8-4 and four Kirk Ferentz team heading into this season. Nebraska, rough one. Uh, and, yes, it was a win, 35-21 to 21 over South Alabama, but it had nothing to do with the offense. The, the defense and special teams were really the stars of this one. Adrian Martinez didn't look like a quarterback where everyone was touting as one of the best in the country, and they ended up going 13-22 for 178 yards and an interception. And the offense just couldn't get it going. Like I said, it was the defense and special teams. A 79-yard punt return, two defensive touchdowns as well, accounting for 21 points. So the offense put up 14. 
And if the defense doesn't score 21, South Alabama is right in this bad boy. And you have to wonder what Scott Frost was thinking. A lot of people picked Nebraska to come out of the West. And so there's a lot of work to do. It is week one, so don't overreact. But there's a lot of work to do in Lincoln. A lot of work to do. Mike Loxley in Maryland had one hell of an opening. 79 to nothing over Howard. Now, granted, Howard, not a D1, not an FBS school, had Cam Newton's little brother as the quarterback. But, wow, what a performance from Maryland. 28 points in the first two quarters. I'm not talking total. Each. 28 in the first. 28 in the second. And that was impressive. Honestly, at one point in time, I'm pretty sure Mike Loxley called off the dogs because I thought they could have scored 100 points in this game if they really wanted to. I mean, they were just cruising offensively. Josh Jansen looked absolutely great. As the transfer from Virginia Tech going 15 to 24 for 245 yards and a touchdown. What was interesting to me, though, was that Anthony McFarland struggled. I mean, yeah, he got two touchdowns, but uh, only averaged three yards a carry on six of 18. So that uh, that that I thought was a little interesting. Um, they got the the backup Lance Legendary in the. Uh, the, the freshman with, that you got a chance to watch on the QB1 Netflix series, uh, he got a little run, didn't attempt a pass, but ran the ball a few times. And, you know, it was a little interesting, I thought, the, the Maryland attack. It was all over the place. They threw the ball. Uh, you're looking at uh, Dante Demas Jr. He caught three passes, 100 yards, two touchdowns. So that's effective. So, the offense was absolutely fantastic, uh, along with the defense when you get a shutout. So very impressive first game for Mike Loxley. But remember, the opponent was Howard's. Don't get too hyped up on this one. Also, Illinois, don't get too hyped up on this one as well. Brandon Peters looked fantastic in a 42-3 to win over Akron. The Zips just aren't very good. Uh, it looked early. The, the Zips were kind of playing with the Illini. And then Brandon Peters decided to start throwing the ball. And that was the issue with the offense last year. Rod Smith could establish the run game, the offensive coordinator for the Fighting Illini. But the issue was last year, again, it was the potential of not being able to throw. Teams were able to stack the box towards the end of the game, stop the run, get them to punt. It was over. Brandon Peters brings a different element to the Illini offense. Yeah, he was only 14-23, but he was efficient. Three touchdowns, no interceptions, ran for one as well. Four touchdowns out of your quarterback, that's what you're looking for. And it's not just on the ground. We're talking in the air. Three through the air. That's big. That's really big. That's really big for the fighting Illini offense. Uh, you like to see Brandon Peters continue doing that. Uh, unfortunately, it look, looks like Mike Epstein went down with an injury. Young man just can't stay healthy. And if he was healthy, oh, man, he would be a fantastic player. Uh, but it was the USC transfers that uh, really stood out. Uh, Josh Mortabahebe had a couple of receptions. Wole uh, Bitiku, he was big. He had one and a half sacks for the defense and six total tackles. So 
the USC transfers making their mark yesterday and big time for Lovey Smith and the Fighting Illini in the 42-3 victory over the Zips. And then the final game that we'll talk about today, Ball State hung in there with Indiana. I question the choice of Tom Allen going with Michael Penix uh, just because I thought Jack Tuttle, uh, just looking at, in general, the talent. Uh, Tuttle's got more talent, but... I guess Penix won the job, but he didn't look like a, a quarterback that should have won the job. I think that at some point in time that maybe Peyton Ramsey would have played, maybe Jack Tuttle would have played, but Tom Allen, because of the game, the tightness of this game against Ball State, he kept with Penix, uh, Penix not best numbers, 24-40 for 326 yards, a touchdown and two picks. Uh, also ran the ball, but it ran it very effectively for 7 for 64. But, again, that's um, that's not what you're looking for. Nick Wexbrook had a great game out of the receiving core for the Hoosiers. The three receptions, 103 yards, and a touchdown. But, oh, boy, it uh, it was a rough one for Penix. Uh, I'm not sure if this quarterback competition is over for Indiana. Uh, I could see at some point in time another name. Uh, not necessarily getting a start, but definitely getting playing time, whether it be Peyton Ramsey, Jack Tuttle, whoever it might be. Uh, I, I think that there's definitely other players involved here going forward. Um, we'll look at a couple of the things that happened uh, off the field. Uh, Sidney Brown for the Illini had to sit out. The uh, sophomore starter was replaced by Kirby Joseph, so we'll keep an eye out on that. Uh, before Mike Loxley's trouncing of Howard, they picked up a defensive tackle in Jerzon Newton out of Florida at 6'3", 255 pounds. A solid frame, but the uh, weight's going to have to get bumped up from 255 to about 280. Uh, he had R Rucker offer, Iowa, Indiana. Uh, he had a Boston College, Florida offer as well. Pretty solid despite the low national ranking that he has given. Uh, Michigan State had... A couple of players that they missed in their win as well. Uh, running back Anthony Williams, defensive end Michael Fletcher, and Jack Camper, and offensive tackle Coach Chewings. Uh, Chewings is one of the best offensive tackles in the nation, so that's obviously uh, a big miss there for the Spartans, although they obviously didn't miss him in getting that W. Uh, Penn State added a big body to their offensive line class here in the 20 class with Offensive tackle Devin Willock of Powerhouse Paramus in New Jersey. Whitlock stands 6'7", 360 pounds, a huge guy. Also had offers from Indiana Rutgers, Georgia Tech, and a reported Georgia offer. I'm not sure if that one was uh, just a regular offer or was a committable offer, uh, but still an offer. 360 pounds, that's a big dude. He's probably going to have to trim up just a little bit in order to be a little bit more effective in the conference, but that size is there. Scott Frost and Nebraska added a couple players over the weekend. The first one was a preferred walk-on long snapper in Cameron Wituki, uh, but he wasn't the big commit of the weekend as Frost went out to Florida, got defensive lineman R.J. Sorensen for the 21 class. It's the first commit for the 21 class. Once again, a little short right now on the 20 class, but 
starting the 21 class, not the worst idea here for Scott Frost and the Huskers. Uh, Sorensen, uh, this early process, had uh, offers from Colorado and Rutgers, stands in at 6'4", 230 pounds. So the young man's pretty solid. I'm not sure if I mentioned this earlier, but uh, Michigan State's Kenny Willekes was named the National Defensive Player of the Year. I'm sorry, of the week <laughs> of the year. Uh, technically of the year because there's only been one week played. Uh, by the Walter Camp Foundation, one and a half sacks, two and a half tackles for loss, two forced fumbles along with a fumble recovery and a touchdown. Yeah, you could say Willekes had a damn good weekend a quick injury update on hawkeyes offensive tackle alaric jackson it looks like jackson will miss some time for the hawkeyes not a ton uh the talented lineman went down early in the game with the knee injury kirk farron said that it will not require surgery but he will be out for a little bit of time so that's good news for Jackson, but bad news for Iowa is they will have to replace the potential first-round offensive tackle in Jackson. Uh, ESPN updated their FPI uh, through the weekend, although some of the games haven't been played yet. Uh, we'll still give you what is looking at here. Uh, Iowa's checking in at 21, Michigan State's at 18, Wisconsin's at 17, and a surprise for me, Ohio State's checking in at 14. I thought they looked pretty good. Um, they are behind an Oregon team who lost to Auburn uh, on a late play by Bo Nix, the fantastic freshman, although he didn't look fantastic the whole game. Uh, definitely made plays towards the end of the game. Michigan at 6 and Penn State at 5. Can't argue with the Michigan at 6 and Penn State at 5. I probably would have had the Buckeyes somewhere in the top 10 of that one. Uh, 247 Sports updated their bowl project projections as well. And uh, the one of note, they have Michigan in their top four at three, making the college football playoff if the season ended after this week. But it doesn't, so we'll keep watching. Uh, there's plenty of football to be played. I never, I, I never kind of look at the first week and make some overreactions, but some fun things that you can look at right now after week one uh, let's update the 2020 football recruiting rankings starting with the best class in the conference the Buckeyes checking in fourth overall nationally with 22 commits Michigan is at 10 with 24 commits then you're looking at Penn State 13th nationally with 24 commits you've got to go to Iowa at 25 still just on the edge of that top 25 with 22 commits. Then you've got Northwestern at 28, Purdue at 29, Minnesota at 30, Wisconsin at 31. So you got a clump of Big Ten teams right there sitting real close to the top 25. Maryland is at 37, so they could potentially make a little bit of move and make it up there. You've got Michigan State at 48. Eight. Nebraska is right behind them at 49. So there's some solid movement there by Nebraska, although not a ton. You've got Indiana at 57th overall with 14 commits. And then we kind of have to go a little bit further down. We're going to find a couple more teams in Illinois at 87th overall. They've made a little bit of jump from uh, about a month ago where they were sitting in the hundreds. 
and now the up to 87th finally have jumped Rutgers who checked in at 89th overall with just 10 commits and uh, Rutgers is at the bottom of the conference in recruiting so they've got to step things up and get things going on that end one basketball note for you got Rutgers gaining a commitment from 20 power forward Dean Ryber of North Carolina Steve Peichel's first commit of the 20 class stands 6'4", 230 pounds he had an offer from Penn State along with a bunch of smaller schools over there but a decent pickup for Peichel but uh, you would like to see a, a nicer offer list from Ryber but Hey, he's got Penn State, and Penn State has done a pretty decent job of finding some diamonds in the rough, getting them on campus, getting them to improve, become contributors, and ultimately solid players in the Big Ten. That's going to do it for me this morning on your Big Ten Morning Minutes. I know it was an extra long one, but I appreciate you hanging in there with me. Give me a follow on Twitter at MFC2123. Go ahead and follow the website as well at Two Cents Pods on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. It is Two Cents Pods over there. Rate us, review us, and share us on all of your listening platforms. Have a great Labor Day, Big Ten fans.